anyone else, I pray, Lord, that you bless the word as it goes out. And, Lord, uh, help me as I preach. Lord, uh, have your spirit work in our midst, Lord, and uh, uh, use this, Lord, for your glory's sake. I pray for your help and encouragement to each one of us here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated. I'm, uh, I want to get down to uh, verse 11, the latter part of the chapter, but I want to start with verse 1 just real quick. Um, about the foreknowledge of God because it says there and if you read the previous chapters for context this is God is saying you're going to go into the land and you're going to be blessed you're going to receive uh, the good you're going to be blessed but when you get there you're going to forget the God that gave you the blessing you're going to uh, forget God and when you've forgotten God, I will bring the curse. If you go read back uh, in chapter 28, there's the blessings and the cursings. And he said, I'll bring the cursings upon you. And he did. But he said there, uh, And this shall come to pass when all these things that come upon thee, both the, blessing, uh, the, the blessings and the curse, which I have set before thee, and that's in chapter 28, Thou shalt call, and thou shalt call them to mind among the nations where the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shall return to the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day. Thou and thy children with all thine heart and with all thy soul. And so God knew when, when he brought them out of, Israel, uh, out of the land of Egypt, when he brought Israel out, he knew that they would leave him, that they would forsake him and go and serve other gods. He knew that when he saved them. And if you follow that through Exodus, you read in Exodus chapter 12, the blood, and then on through 15, you read about the, what the Bible refers to in uh, the New Testament, baptized, then being baptized to Moses. And they were uh, baptized at um, 1 Corinthians 10, they were baptized into Moses. If you want to, that's the reference for that, if you want to look at it. Um, and it's a picture that they got saved when they got baptized. When they crossed over the Red Sea, at that point they were no longer Egyptian slaves. You couldn't say that they were Egyptian anymore. They, it was an obvious sign to any witness out there that they were not Egyptian slaves anymore, that God had freed them. Um, but when he did that for them, he knew that they would turn aside and go out of the way. He knew ahead uh, of time and knew that they, they would rebel against him. And, but he also knew that when he chastised them, that they would repent in the land and where they were driven and return unto him. And if you want to read some, some of those people, that would be Nehemiah, Daniel. Uh, if, you, if you go and read the lives of those men, they turned and they prayed to God and sought God's face for the land and for their sin. And they turned to God and God brought them at that time, if you, if you follow the history, back into the land. We go to um, Isaiah chapter, just follow this for a little bit. Isaiah chapter 57. Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57. Verse 17, the Bible says, For the iniquity of his covetousness was I wroth and smote him. I hid me and was wroth, and he went on frowardly. In the way of his heart, I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will lead him also and restore comforts, comforts unto him 
and to his morning. I will create the fruit of his lips. Peace, peace unto him that is afar off, and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. And so God said that I saw his iniquity, I saw his covetousness when they, they went a whoring from God. Uh, after the nations, the, the gods of the nations round about them. He said, I saw that and I hid myself from them and I smoked them and I chastised them. And they went on in their, uh, probably in their way. But God said, I have seen his ways and I will heal him. And again, he did. Um, if you want another, if you want to take notes, I'm going to try and move Another reference to that would be Job 23, 8 through 10. I'm not going to um, take too much time to follow this because I've preached long enough as it is. Um, but if we go here, God foreknew about Israel's history beforehand. And I, a scholar, theologian, um, one of the pastors said, I think a prophet, son of a prophet. Um, that comes from Amos, but uh, um, I ain't got it all worked out. But God called Jeremiah, and when Jeremiah was just a boy, if you go to Jeremiah chapter uh, before Jeremiah was born, if you go to Jeremiah in chapter one verse five, Jeremiah chapter one verse five says, "Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet to the nations." And if you read down through there, you, you see God dealing with uh, Jeremiah about Jeremiah's call to preach. But if you go to Proverbs, chapter 16, you see the opposite kind of a man from men like Jeremiah, from the prophets, Jeremiah, uh, sorry, uh, Proverbs 16, verse 4. Proverbs 16, verse 4. The Bible says, The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked, for the day of evil. And so I, uh, I don't know all about uh, God's foreordinance, but I believe in the whos- uh, whosoever will may come, God. Because there is free will, and so God will call, and we have a choice to respond. If you uh, go and study Pharaoh in Egypt, God called, and he rejected him. He rejected God's call, and then when he would have repented, God hardened his heart. If you study that, it got to the point where God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And there was a point at which they could, he couldn't come back from. Um, and if you study that out, God said that if it was a vessel fitted for wrath. Um, if you go to Isaiah 63, Isaiah 63, in verse 3. Isaiah 63, verse 3 says, I have trodden winepress alone, and, if, and of the people there was none with me, for I will tread them out in mine anger, and trample them in the fury, in my fury, and their blood shall I sprinkle upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. Uh, it says, Therefore the day of vengeance is my, in mine heart, and ye, and the years of and the year of my redemption is coming. Go to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. And also if you want to write a reference down, uh, it's also in Revelation 14, 4 through 20. The Revelation chapter 19, starts at verse 11, the Bible says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon it was 
that Tom, term was called, faithful and true, and in righteousness does he judge and make war. His eyes are as a flame of fire, and on, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture, dipped in blood. If you read there back in Isaiah, his garments were sprinkled in blood. says, uh, dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in uh, fine linen, clean and white. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth out the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And on his vesture he and on, on sorry and he had on hat on his vesture and on his tie a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We go to back to Psalms in chapter seven. Psalms in chapter seven. Psalms Psalms in chapter seven. And verse eleven the Bible says uh, uh, God judges the God judges the righteous and is angry with the wicked every day. If you go to 917, Psalms 917, the Bible says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. And I said before I don't have it all figured out, but the Bible said in uh, Proverbs 16:4 that God made the wicked for the day of evil, but he says that the wicked shall be turned into hell. So I, I don't have it all worked out. But if we carve out a God in our mind, just because I don't understand it, I'm going to reject it, then we are creating a graven image. There comes a point, and, I, and I'm trying to get someone with us to uh, stick with me. We go to Proverbs in this time, chapter 1, in verse 23. He says, But turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called and ye have refused, I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But, I, but ye have set at naught all my counsels, and would none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity, and mock when your fear cometh. There's going to be a day when the lost, when, when God treads out the fierceness, uh, the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God, God is not going to have mercy then. There is no mercy once you reject Christ. Uh, when you die without Christ, when that rich man in Luke 16, when he went to hell, he cried for mercy and God said no. He asked for water to cool his tongue, for he was tormented in the flame and God said no. And there was the coming a day when God will laugh at, their, at the calamity of the lost. And God will mock when... The Bible says, when your fear cometh, whose fear? The fear of those who rejected God's counsel, who rejected God. If you read on in Proverbs uh, 1, with the stuff, verse 27, When your fear, fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me early, but, I will not, but they will, shall not find me. Again, when that uh, rich man was in hell, all of a sudden, he wanted mercy. He said, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, that he may call my tongue, Brian, tormented in this flame. But God said, you shall not find him. He called, but there's a point where he's gone too far. 
that, uh, verse 28, that, uh, verse 29, sorry, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own ways and be filled with their own devices. Yep. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But, verse 33, and it's a good thing there's a but there, because it says, But whosoever hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely, and shall be quiet from fear of evil. See, there is a day appointed in which God will judge men, and at that point it is too late. And then there will be people alive then when it's too late. And this, the, the need for the gospel to go out, the gospel is to all. And there should be an urgency in this. Go, uh, Mark 6, 15. Mark 6, 15. You know, we uh, talk about this, the wrath of God and, you know, God laughing at their fear. But it is true. Mark, sorry, 16, 15. Mark 16, 15. The Great Commission, it says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that, uh, and he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And just while I'm there, see, it says there, uh, this is not, not in my notes, but it says, He that believeth and is baptized, and people use that for baptismal regeneration. But if you look in the next phrase, it says, But he that believeth not, shall be damned, so that it hinges on your belief, not on your baptism, if you, see, if you read it there. But he that believeth not shall be damned, so it's not your baptism that gets you saved. But uh, if you look there, it says, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. So the gospel is to all and everyone. Um, uh, so, God, and God's offer, so God's offer of salvation is full and free. And you can't earn it or buy it. Um, and it's to all. If you go to Romans in chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, and I'll myself there. We'll start out in verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord, uh, sorry, go back up to. Verse 6, verse 5, so it says, verse 5, for Moses, and that's where we're just reading in Deuteronomy, and if you, if you look at these verses, they're familiar to what we just read in Deuteronomy 30, so some of this passage here is quoted from there, so for Moses described with the righteousness which is of the Lord, that, that, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them, but righteous, the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in thy heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. If you read that in Deuteronomy, we just read that. Who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh, is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believeth in righteousness, and with the mouth, Confession is made unto salvation from Scripture, saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew or the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. And so there is a, there is a day 
in which grace runs out. But right now, if you're breathing, you have the chance to be saved. And the people that we work with have a chance to be saved. Uh, you know, our workmates, our classmates, our colleagues, um, schoolmates. Um, if you're saved, you are to them to share the gospel to them because of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And we don't have time to go over all of that verses, but when you study hell, and you should, hell, the study on, the study on hell is probably the greatest motivation you'll find for sharing the gospel. Mm. I think I've said during the revival, and it's an old saying, but if you, the, the way to produce the best soul winners out there would be to hang a Christian over hell for five months. If you did that, if that happened to one of us, we would be the best soul winner out there because we've seen it. But we walk by faith and not by sight. We have to believe the book. See, the Bible says that hell is in the heart of the earth. It says, though thou leavest thyself bound to hell, yet God is there. Um, if you read in Deuteronomy, I think it's in 32, and I can't give the scripture reference, but it says that the wrath of God was kindled and it burned into lowest hell. And uh, there is an escape, and it's through the blood of Christ. If yeah. you're here, you're not saved. It's the yeah. blood of Christ that will save you. When you call, it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You have the chance now to be saved. But I want to just give one more verse on that in Isaiah 45, and then we'll try and get uh, back to Deuteronomy. Isaiah 45, verse 21 and 22. We have that on the board. So it's tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient times? Who hath told it from the time to come? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else besides me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Verse 22 says, Look unto me and be ye safe, all ye ends of the earth. For I am God, there is none else. The Bible, if you look at the ends of the earth from Israel, we're in the ends of the earth right here. We are as far from Israel. Is it a six-hour, twelve-hour time zone difference? Nine hours. All right, it's not quite the other side of the world, but uh, England is twelve hours behind. But uh, so that's the other side. But it's the uh, we are at the ends of the earth, and God says, "Look unto me, and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth." And it says, "Whosoever will." In uh, Revelation, Revelation twenty-two seventeen. Uh, for whosoever, uh, get that up on the board, so I don't the spirit and bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. The gospel is available to you if you will call upon the name of the Lord and ask for mercy and salvation. But I want to look at, because I want to look at, um, the other part of that Deuteronomy, we'll go there in just a minute, because but God didn't have to save us. God does not owe it to us to save us. So when God saved us, what was he looking for? What did God want? We go, uh, where am I? We go to First Peter. First Peter. And chapter 2, First Peter chapter 2, 
uh, salvation is not bought by your service. If you uh, want uh, to write down in your notes, if you're taking them, 2 Corinthians 6, I think it's 14, through to the end of the chapter, but uh, I'm try and keep moving. If we go back now to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, where we were for our reading, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15, it says, See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. And so we have a choice. We can choose God's way or our way. Bible, if you turn to Proverbs chapter 14, Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12 and 13, the Bible says, There is way which seems right unto man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful, and the end of that mirth is heaviness. See, there's a, we, we have a, if you, if you uh, think of a, for instance, a drunk, they go out and they get drunk, and they're having a good time being drunk. But when they wake up in the morning, the end of their mirth is heaviness. They've got a hangover and splitting headache and they're sick, and then they call in to work sick because I can't come to work because I was drinking and having a good time. But that's, and if you, for the example of drinking, the end of that, if you just keep doing it, you end up with cirrhosis of the liver and die. Right? The ends of the ways of the world are death. The ends of our ways that we choose of our own natural mind are death. Yeah, um, same with uh, drugs. How many people die of drug overdoses? You know, they, they have the drug because it makes them feel good. But there is a way which seems right unto a man, and it just seems right. Everybody else is doing it, so we'll do it. But the ends there are the ways of death. Even they're laughing, you know, they're having a good time, they're having a party, they're on their high. But the end of that mirth is heaviness, and the Bible says the ways of death. If you uh, go to Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 7, verse 13, the Bible says, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way which leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and there few there be that find it. We understand, of course, that's talking about Christ. He said in uh, John 14, uh, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. But if you're going to enter in at the straight gate, if you're going to turn from the way of the world in Proverbs uh, 14 and turn from the broad way that leads to destruction and choose Christ, which is the gospel, you're choosing Christ, the way after that gate, and Jesus said, I am the door, by me if any man enter in, he shall be saved. When you enter in that door, the way behind it is narrow. The path behind it is narrow. And so there's a, there is a choice when we choose Christ. It's not, yeah, we want you to be saved, but if you're not willing to repent, you can't be saved. Because repentance is a necessary work for salvation. Repentance in and of itself doesn't save you. But it, uh, repentance is, you're going, it is, in, in its base definition, it is turning from one decision and the outcomes of your decision to another decision and the outcomes of that decision. So in this, in regards to your salvation, it is turning from your decision, which leads to hell, and going your way, which leads to destruction, and choosing Christ, 
but it doesn't just choose Christ because it's the consequences after. That's what repentance means. It's not just the decision, it's the consequences after. And the consequences, if you really get saved, you will love God and keep his commands. If you go to 1 John 5, 1 John chapter 5, and I think I'm jumping my guns in there anyway. Uh, 1 John 5, Whosoever believeth that Jesus Christ that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, and everyone that loveth him, loveth him that begat him, no, sorry, and everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. So if you're a Christian, and you're saved, and you love God, you ought to love your brethren, because it's not just God, but it's them, uh, the others that are begotten of him. Verse 2, the Bible says, By this we know that we are the children of God, when we love God and keep his commands. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Um, so when we see the commandments of God, we, if we're saved, we ought to say, you know what, I want to do that. And it's not that, oh, well, I can't do this, and I can't do that. The Bible says, I said in, back in our text in Deuteronomy 13, verse 15, it says, See, I have set before thee this day life and good, and death and evil. Now I commanded this day, uh, this day to love. Uh, sorry. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments and statutes and His judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land where thou goest to possess it. He said, "There's a blessing, and there's life in keeping the commandments of God." Um, it says to love the Lord thy God. And the greatest commandment, which was initially written, I don't have the reference written down for it here, but in Deuteronomy it says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. Um, and in, this, in, in the Gospels, Christ says, And the second is likened, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And uh, so that's written initially in the law. And if you look at the law of God and he, he says that the law is to love. The Bible says love is the fulfillment of the law. Because if you love, if we love our brethren, we won't lie to them, we won't steal from them, we won't cheat them in our business. Um, and so if we love, then we've fulfilled the law. But how, how do I know that I love God? Because if I say I love God, but I don't have any way of measuring it, do I actually love God? Because the children of Israel never said anywhere necessarily that they hate God. They would go to the temple and worship God on Sabbath. But then on the way home from the temple, they would go to the house of Baal. They would go to the house of Ashtoreth or Molech. And they would worship the idols of the land of the peoples around about them that God said not to. And so the way, if you want to know, do, do I love God, uh, you look at, look at the Ten Commandments. And we, we say, well, I can't do this, I can't do that. But they're good. If you, all, um, all those commandments, if you follow them, they're good for you. Um, and I ain't going to go through all of them because of time. But the one I'm struggling with, uh, particularly... Uh, a particular effect on me is the keeping of Sabbath. 
because I work and I work and I work and then I get done my working week, which at the moment I'm doing about 12 hours a day from the time without commuting, and in Auckland commuting is nearly a death threat um, on my ways. Um, but then I, on the weekend, I, go, I will often go up onto Saturday and I'll go and pay Grandpa's roof or I'll do this and that, and it's not that that's a bad thing. But God says six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but in the seventh, but the seventh is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, and in it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant, uh, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger which is within thee, for in six days the Lord made heaven and the earth to see all that in the earth, and the rest of the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And see, I go up there and I say, well, I'm not going to, because I'm going to honour my parents, I'm going to go and help them. I then ignore the command of proceeding, which is, if, if you, uh, it's in Deuteronomy, uh, Exodus, sorry, 20, verse 9, it's about Sabbath. And he says, do thy labour on, on six days, and Saturday is the seventh day. And so we ought to rest that day. If you come to our church on Sunday and you're involved in either the youth program or the rest home, Sunday is not a day of rest. We we get up, me and Tim, we, start, we unlock the door at about 10 past 9. We set up, we go through church, we take down, we do, and then we go to the youth program, set up, take down, and that, you know, from, so from 9 till 1, half past 1, we're at church, our morning service. From there, 2.30, we start the youth program, and that goes through to about 5, 5.30, and then from there, we come to the evening service, 6.30, and we go home at 9 o'clock. I do a 12-hour day on Sunday, and then I do a 12-hour day all, that, all week, and then end up, if I work Saturday for, for about three weeks, I end up with burnout. How many knows what burnout is? How many has experienced burnout? You end up basically hating yourself, hating your work, hating life, because you are just so deplete of everything. And the reason I suffer from burnout is because I ignore God's command to rest. Because God said that six days shall thou do thy labor and do all thy work. And I was talking to him about this as well. But it bothers me every time I go up and work on Saturday for my parents, because I'm supposed to honor my parents, but I'm also supposed to rest. And so I need to book time off work, but I can't book time off work because I need money to live. But, see, we say, well, thou it says, it says this, thou shalt not, on the seventh day, thou shalt not work. And we say, well, I can't. But it's actually good. It's good for me not to because of the effect that disobeying that has on me. The commandment of God is good. But I, when I suffer, it's because I ignore what God said. And you, you take that, and we don't have time to go through all of them. But if you, um, just on that about honour thy father and mother, if you go through that to, I think it's Ephesians 6, 1 or 2, it says, as in the Lord. Um, yeah, the children obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. So you're not to disobey God to honour your parents. When your parents say, right, you know, to, to use an extreme example, if your parents say go kill someone, you don't go kill someone because God said murder's wrong. Okay, so you don't just honour your father and your mother blindly. If, if they ask you to violate scripture, you don't have to obey it. You might suffer for it, 
where God said, uh, he, that, uh, that verse in Matthew, um, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. So there comes a point where you have to, it's called conviction, make a decision and stand on your decision and say it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or says, this is the word of God may not follow because of the word of God. And if I suffer for it, I suffer for it. But I'm going to follow God anyway. Um, so we go back to our text again in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Verse 15 we read, says, See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil, and that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, keep his commandments, and his statutes, and his judgments, that thou mayest live. You get a they gave you the reference, uh, we talked about Sabbath there. And I'll be a lot healthier, generally speaking, and cope a lot better if I'd obey the command of God. But because it says obey, and when we obey, we live. Jesus Christ said, I come in uh, John 10, 10, I come to give him life. I come that you may have life and that you have, may have it more abundantly. But it's in keeping of the commandments. When we honor God and his word, um, that we can... Uh, sorry. Um, we can have that life. Um, I want to go now. Verse 16. There's another. I've got another verse here. Sorry. Um, I'm covering that. All right. Um, something. When we when we say keep the commandments, it's not just you know. It's, it would be relatively easy if I would say no to my parents to keep the commandment on the Sabbath and say, look, I'll come up another day and I'll work another day. Um, and so there's easy commands to follow, but there's also commands that are not as easy that are in the heart. Um, um, so it's not just you know, there's, we, we read the Ten Commandments, but there's things that aren't covered in the Ten Commandments explicitly, and if you go through the law, it breaks it down. If we go to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I must have translated that up. Yes, it's in English. Um, anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 19 says, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, be ye are bought for the price, wherefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So we go from there, you know, if, we, if we're going to live, we're going to obey His commands, and we can't do what we want, we have to do what Christ wants. But when we choose Christ, there is a separation that comes and things have to go. If you read, if you go to John chapter 2, John chapter 2, verse 13, uh, the Bible says, And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple, in the temple, what did we just read? We said in 1 Corinthians, what know you not? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. 
So he says he goes up to the temple. Now this is, this is the literal temple as opposed to our body, which is in First Corinthians, but it applies. And when um, and Jesus uh, found in the temple, verse 14, those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and changes of money sitting, and when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them out, that drove out, that drove them all out of the temple, and the sheep and the oxen that poured out the money changers, and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold, sold doves, Take ye these things hence, make not my father's house the house of, sac- of, of merchandise. We go to this account appears in all of the Gospels, but uh, just the time, go to Matthew 21. 
would have been better. So yes, it's no use coming to church and sacrificing your time. It's Wednesday night. I, to be honest, I'm tired. I'm hungry. I want to go home to dinner, so I'm going to get done soon. Uh, <laughs> um, but we sacrifice our time on Wednesday. On Sunday, if we're in the choir, we go often choir practice on Friday night. If then, you know, the church event down in Tokatani, we went down there on Saturday. And we sacrifice our time. We give our tithes and we give our offerings as a sacrifice. We just took that up before. Um, But what good is it if we want to obey God? See, we don't have, we don't buy indulgences, I think it's a Catholic term for it. We don't buy the right to sin. But in the back of our mind, we say, well, I can do this because I go to church, you know. Yeah, it's not really right, but, you know, I'll go to church. We, 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 um, it's not really right for me to be doing this, but it's okay, I go to church, I believe in God, God will forgive me. But to obey is better than sacrifice. You can't come to church uh, to make up for your sin. You can't use it as an excuse for your sin. Uh, you or me. Um, so our sacrificing to come to church is good. But if on Monday we then rebel and disobey God, what was the point? Because God is God Monday, and God is God Tuesday, and we're here on Wednesday, God is still God. God's God on Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, and Sunday. He's God all week, but we just sacrifice our time to serve Him when it suits us on Sunday and Wednesday. And some people don't come Wednesday. If you look around, this crowd is less than half. Um, but we, we sacrifice our time. But if, what's the point of sacrificing our time if we want to go out and live the life Christ has for us? Because we, if we're saved, we entered in at the straight gate, and the narrow way is before us, but we just don't want to walk in. And God said there in our text, I have set before thee life, uh, what's it say? Uh, Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. I want to um, pretty much Deuteronomy um, oh, yeah. 30.15 They say, I have set before thee this day good life and good and death and evil in verse 16 and that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that thou mayest live and say there multiply and multiply the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land where thou goest and possessest. Just the time, I ain't going to go over it, but if you read the book of Acts, there's 3,000 got saved. If you read the book of Acts, there's another time, 5,000 got saved. And then you read later on, it says, in the whole multitude who are gathered together, they gave up number. The Bible says, the Lord added daily to the church such as should be saved. Um, but if we rightly divide the word of truth, which we're instructed to do. We don't just go out and make up stuff out of pull stuff out of the air. We compare scripture against scripture. If they were multiplying, what had to happen? They had to obey the word of God. That's what the verses we just read in Deuteronomy. We can't expect God to bless we can't expect God to bless us in rebellion. If we want to live according to God's word, there is no reason for God to do what he said in the way in regards to blessing, only in regards to cursing, if we disagree. If we don't follow the Bible and say, well, does God 
So I, I was actually interesting. Pastor Helmut was saying people I did a bit talk to in the revival about the fellow with the harmonica and out on the, on, the, on Queen Street fellow with the harmonica, and I'm talking to that guy. And that guy does not believe that God punishes Christians in the way of death. But the Bible says that Christians some sleep and uh, some are sick. And if you read about Ananias and Sapphira, and God killed them. They were Christians. And so there's, there's before us life and good and death and evil, and we can choose. And if you go through the Bible, the choice is always there. We, we, uh, there's a famous verse in Joshua 24, 15. Um, As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. He put a call out there for people to obey. Um, um, I ain't going to read that. I think it's relatively familiar with it. Then 1 Kings 18, 21. When Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal, then Elijah came up to people and said, How long holds you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Uh, go to uh, Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. When Christ is talking, we, we're again familiar with this, when Christ is talking to the Laodicean church, uh, he said, I know thy works, verse 15, uh, Revelation, sorry, chapter 3, verse 15. I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. So we, the choice, there's, there's no middle ground. You're on one side or the other. And the people there, let's go back to 1 Kings, uh, let's say 1821. They were halting between two opinions. They were lukewarm. They worshipped God and worshipped Baal. And he said, how long holds you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. And then he said, uh, if you go... Uh, I don't have time for it. But if you go through that, he rebuilds the altar and he proves that God is God. And they serve him and they kill the prophets. Um, but... Going back to Acts, when they multiplied, they had to have been in obedience to the Word of God. And if we go Deuteronomy 30, and I hadn't uh, thought of this, but when we were just reading it, so I will, verse 3 it says, Then I will, then the Lord thy God will, so after they repented and returned to the Lord, verse 3 says, Now shalt return to the Lord thy God, and now shalt obey his voice according to all that I have commanded thee this day, thou and thy children. With all thine heart and with all thy soul, that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee, and will return thee and gather thee from the nations where the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. If any of thine be driven out unto the uttermost parts of the heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, from thence will he fetch thee. Verse 5 it says, And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possess, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good, and multiply thee above thy fathers. Um, jump down. Oh, you have to keep reading. Verse 6, and says, uh, And the Lord thy God shall circumcise thine heart, the heart of thy seed, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, that thou mayest live. 
And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and upon them that hate thee, which persecute thee. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments, which I have commanded thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand, and of the fruit of thy body, and of the fruit of thy cattle, and of the fruit of thy land, for good and for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, and as he rejoiced over thy fathers, if thou shalt hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the Lord, if thou turn to the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. It says, if you go back to verse 5, it says, I'll multiply thee above thy fathers. We read back through history, and what's recorded in the book of Acts, Paul went round the whole of the Mediterranean coast, right round to Rome, spreading the gospel. And we read in um, those verses I mentioned, so that it would be Acts 2.41, Acts 4.4, and Acts 6.6. We read about the multitude of the disciples and how many thousands of people got saved. But God said, oh, in this verse, it says in the Lord, uh, Deuteronomy 35, 30 verse 5, and the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good, and multiply thee above thy fathers. We could have a revival in this day. The Lord's coming back soon, but there's still time for a revival, unless he comes tonight. Um, but it's based on us returning to the Lord. Not in the sense of, well, I have to, I must, or, you know, I'm just a slave to God. But he says, the verse in 1 John 5 again, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love God, the test of our love is whether we obey Him. Um, we can have, you know, we read, again, uh, I mentioned there about Acts. We read, uh, I was listening today to a preaching, it's called uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And it was, uh, was originally preached in 1741. Uh, it's by a guy, I think his name was John. John was I only listened to that today. I heard it referenced in the preaching, and I went to listen to it. And he preached that sermon, and he, pre- he didn't shout, he didn't yell, he just, apparently, from what they said, he was just calm, he stood and he talked. And he went through the Bible on hell. And that, that sermon, started what was referred to as the First Awakening in America. That, that sermon. But before that, he, that night, the night, so what? Sunday he came to church. Saturday, Friday, Thursday. From Thursday he didn't eat. On Thursday, to, for three days he did not eat. For three days he did not sleep. But prayed and said, God give me new years. He wanted to see that nation, that uh, at that time a colony, he wanted that to be saved, and he wanted to do that work, and he prayed to God for it, and got up, and he preached that sermon, and he started the great, the first of the Great Awakening. But he had to turn himself back to God. Um, and if you, well, I would encourage you to go and listen to that preaching. It, um, he just walks through the Bible on. The fact that God doesn't have to save you, that God could choose to kill you tonight and you'd be in hell if you're lost. Um, And he was preaching it in his church. And like I said, 
we had they had that awakening. We read of D. L. Moody, we read read of all of the preachers down in the revivals. But we could have that nowadays. Yeah. If we turn to God. Yeah. But it says with all thy heart, you can't you can't serve God half heartedly. It says whatsoever thou doest, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Um but we could be multiplied as above the above what our fathers, our forefathers of the faith had. We could see people say, if we would return to God, if and it says to follow his command. Not not out of a slavish um, uh, overlord, but because we want to, to please our Lord, the man who saved us, God who saved us. Um, if we go to This is why I, I translate my notes because that's my Matthew, not English. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, and we'll go to Ezekiel and we'll be done. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, and we'll read verse 15. which I command thee this day is not it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. So this is the bit that was referenced in Romans 10. Neither is it hidden, uh, neither is it far off from thee. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go for us to heaven to bring it down to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is nigh unto thee. It is in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. And what is the word? It's the book. And we have it, most of you here have it on your lap, you either have it on your phone, you have a copy of it somewhere. And you don't have to go very far to find out what God expects of us. You just have to open the book and read it. And pray. And we could have a revival if we would turn back to God. Um, so if we go to Ezekiel 36. And I have just been given my Bible up morning. And I need it because I don't have the time on me. Uh, Ezekiel 36 and verse 25. Ezekiel 36.
Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 1, the Bible says, There is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, which walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The the word condemnation doesn't mean damnation. It simply means that to to state that something is wrong. So if we it says that there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So if we walk after the flesh, there is condemnation. Not damnation, but condemnation, where God says that ain't right. And God, the Spirit of God, we can grieve it. God will chasten us. That's what the verse is talking about. But if we walk in the Spirit, then there is no condemnation for us. And we will have uh, the power that we need to live our life, to go and be the witness we need. We could have the revival if we would turn again to the Lord our God. Um, and so because of time, I'm going to finish there. If we'll stand, we'll pray, and maybe we'll come and do this in our final note. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the night. We thank you, Lord, for your words, for uh, the various that I'm myself that I've struggled to obey. But, Lord, when we get back to uh, Lord, obeying you and being obedient to your spirit, uh, to your leading, Lord, that we can have a power that we need to do what you've asked us to do. Lord, you've given us a commission, but, Lord, if we want to live right with you, then, Lord, there's no hope of us fulfilling, Lord, that commission that we have. I pray you give us each one grace, Lord, for the work and Lord, the, the strength to fight our flesh and Lord, to fight the world and to fight uh, the devil. I pray you uh, help us each one, Lord, to go out and be what you have us to be. Lord, we ask for the blessings uh, from uh, the song to come and Lord,